Welcome to the Give This Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Kai. This podcast is sponsored by the GPS Island Program, which Forbes has stated helps entrepreneurs become professional speakers. For more information, go to ChristopherKai.com. Marcus, she makes organizations hum. She's a VP of operations, general manager, as well as a TEDx speaker. Giselle, welcome to our podcast. Thank you, Christopher. Glad to be here. So let's just dive right in. What do you mean by I make organizations hum? What do you mean by that? What I mean by that is I've spent the past two decades of my career in operations. So either in VP of operations roles or general manager roles um, or chief operating officer roles. And what I do is I bring groups, um, divisions or organizations in alignment with their performance targets. So whether that's the uh, company and organization has the need to become more efficient, um, I help organizations do that. Or if an organization is really trying to hit aggressive targets from a margin perspective, I help organizations do that. And the reason I say I make organizations hum is because the work that I do is really a lot around change management, but I do it in a manner where I don't leave people laying in the wake um, so that you bring people along with you for the change. That's great. Let's talk about change management because that's a, that's a, so we, I just actually spoke to an earlier guest and she asked me about how do you bill out a higher fee? And there are really only certain categories that a company will pay you five, 10, 20, 30, or even more than that for certain topics. And change management is one of those more high level strategic topics. So talk to us about what that actually means in an organization. Certainly. So in the organizations that I've been a part of, what it means is they realize that they no longer want to do business in the way that they're doing it today. Um, an example would be um, an organization that I joined young in my career. I was the director for client retention. I joined at a time when they had lost two major clients, Microsoft and Sun. And they wanted to create um, a retention program because if you lose a client, it, would it could cost you anywhere from $5 million to $100 million a year to get a new client. Minimally, it would take you three years, maybe five to secure a new client. So in this type of change measure, what they're looking for is a methodology by which they operate and have some consistency so that they can enhance their retention targets. So I went in and what I did, I actually learned the business through the eyes of the customer. Um, and then that allowed me to develop a retention program. They didn't have it. You know, so this is an, a change from what they had. Um, and the program that I actually developed was very customer focused. And what we ended up in the end, what the result was, we had over the three years that I was in the role, we had zero triggered account losses. So that was actually a big win. So that's one example of what change management looks like when you're actually creating the fabric of something brand new that never existed before to help a, help a organization move from A to Z. That's great. I appreciate how results-oriented your conversations are, Giselle, because again, sometimes people talk about their expertise, but they don't really dive into some of the details. And without the details of results, why is someone hiring you? It's not just about your story and what you 
share. It's really about the results you've given for your clients, your employers. So thank you for that. Now, how do you feel that you were able to really understand all this change management? Because businesses can be very complex, perhaps. So, so how do you, what, was it a personal thing for you? Was it a professional? Was it both? Like, where do you think that you got this awareness and this Zen-like awareness of, of your skill set? You know, I believe um, I am a native New Yorker. Um, What's up? I, Me too. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I understand that you are as well. So we actually have that in common. Um, so I grew up in Harlem, and I'm going to I'm going to just be clear: the old Harlem, not the new Harlem. And <laughs> you know, growing up there, you know, at that time, it was a place where, you know, there were individuals that were challenged financially, families. Um, I actually grew up in what would be called like a tenement building. You know, I lived, you know, it was a sixth floor building. We lived on the fifth floor, but it was a walk-up. Um, my parents separated and divorced when I was single digit. Um, the Harlem schools were not a place where my mother wanted to send me because the quality and the caliber of the education just wasn't good. I mean, not because it was public school, but because it was public school in Harlem and there wasn't investment of dollars into those schools. So she had to pivot, you know, to ensure that I received a decent education. You know, so what we did at that time was my aunt actually lived in um, Chelsea, which is like, you know, more the downtown in the 20s of um, New York City. So we actually ended up using her address. So my mother had to actually take me to school, you know, or the babysitter, you know, on the train, that type of thing. And so I was old enough to do it on my own. But my point is, that's not a normal thing that a five or six year old child does. Um, normally, they walk to school, right? Um, you know, for my mother, she wanted me to have a different education. So she pivoted and didn't do what the average parent would do, which is send you to the school that's in your neighborhood that you are supposed to go to. So, and I would say the other thing about her, um, she's just a very resilient person. Um, when my parents separated and divorced, my mother never took my father to court for um, child support or anything of that sort. But she said, you know what, I'm going to be a waste and I don't want to miss out on work trying to do that. So I say all that to say, when I look at her and I look at the, what she did in order to provide the education for me and you know how I had to operate in a school system that was outside of my neighborhood, you know, that's kind of a change from the young people that you're, that you're accustomed to kind of working with and being with. So I believe my youth was filled with pivots and doing things differently than other children would do. So mindset that leads to what I would call out places I've lived. I was sharing that, you know, I've lived as an adult probably in 10 different cities. Um, I do that to ensure that, you know, I have roles or career opportunities, you know, that are um, appropriate for me. But yeah, in doing they're, they're, all they're of those moves, they're, they're worthy of your of your expertise, frankly. And I was saying that prior to our podcast, Giselle, that I, I appreciate and I, I I commend your your drive because again, a lot of people say they want to succeed, but they're not going to move here, move there. But it's a perfect answer for what I asked, which is about change management, where you literally were changing as a kid thanks to your mother's understanding of of life and getting you opportunities because you moved on also to to learn at Syracuse as well as Harvard 
what do you think are some skills you learned at, at Harvard Business School that, that allowed you to become this change manage, management expert? You know, I learned how to think on my feet more so and be more analytical. Um, Syracuse University, I love it. It's an amazing um, place to have went to school. Um, and what I was accustomed to was, you know, you read the textbook, you go to the classroom, you study for the test. You take the test, you get an amazing grade. That's what I was accustomed to. Um, when I went to Harvard Business School, it was different. They used the case study method where you're actually looking at a protagonist or a person that's in an, an organization and it tells their story or their dilemma within an organization. And then you as the student have to sit in their shoes and say, well, if I were this person in this business case at XYZ company, this is how I would have attacked the problem. And just because, let's say you were in a marketing class, just because you're in a marketing class doesn't mean that the instructor isn't expecting you to also bring finance in it, to also bring organizational behavior into it, to also bring aspects of change management into it. Um, so I believe what Harvard did for me that was somewhat different than what Syracuse did, it actually assisted me in sharpening my analytical mindset, which is required for change management. That's great, Giselle. I really appreciate how succinct, specific, and concise you are with how you deliver your messages. How can our guests stay in touch with you? We didn't really even have a chance to talk about your TEDx talk, but what's, what's the TEDx talk about and, and what's the main message you hope that your, your viewers can, can learn from you as a, as a speaker? Sure. My TEDx is about networking. Um, and the importance of doing so, you know, within your career. Um, and what my listeners can learn from it, <laughs> I say you'll learn in nine minutes what I learned in nine years. Um, because I would say I grew up in a household where I was taught head down, blinders on, do a good job, you'll get great rewards. Well, that sounds like that makes sense, sounds good. But quite honestly, when you get into the workplace, it's more than that. It's more than you actually doing a great job. It's also about who knows you and how you have taken the opportunity to build relationships. So that's what my TED Talk is about. It actually gives um, some quick tips and tricks in regard to things that you can do to foster your network. Um, Sometimes we go through a lot to actually capture a new person in our network. But what I find out is oftentimes we don't do the work to maintain the contact. I was looking, um, uh, Christopher, at some of your videos and you talked about how people have these um, stacks of business cards they do nothing with, you know, and how that's not <laughs> yeah. valuable, right? Yeah. Um, so I kind of walk through ways that you can act that are simple that you can actually build upon actually building relationships because the relationship is what you're going to need, you know, to get you to the next step and to help them get to the next step because relationships are not one way. They're two way. That's great. That's great advice, Jill. Thanks so much for sharing your thoughts and your expertise today. How can our guests stay in touch with you and, and watch your, 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 your speech? Certainly. So you can go to my YouTube channel. It's Giselle Marcus. That's G as in girl, I, S as in Sam, E-L-E, -E, last name Marcus, M as in Mary, A, R as in Richard, C-U-S, as in Sam. You can also email me at Giselle at GiselleMarcus.com. 
That's G I S as in Sam E L E at G I S as in Sam E L E M A R C U S dot com. That's great, Giselle. Thanks so much for being on our podcast. Have a great day. You as well, Christopher. It's been wonderful. Thank you for listening to our Gifters podcast. If you want to turn your story into a successful speaking or coaching business, go to ChristopherKai.com for details.